Okay, so as we mentioned, Ash Wednesday, as most of you all know, begins Lent. This is the beginning of the Lenten season, a time of fasting and prayer. Even though I did mention there's one Sunday we celebrate called Leitare Sunday. It's like a uh, Gaudate Sunday in Advent. <clears throat> one of the days is set aside for joy in anticipation, and we will have that too. Now, what's interesting about Lent is it occurs not 40 days before Easter, but 46 days before Easter, because there's 40 days of fasting, but there's six Sundays in between where we don't fast. And so a lot of people forget that. And so Lent is actually the 40 days of fasting, but the Sundays are kind of like, I, dare I say, apart from that, or maybe addition to that. It's still good though. Now it could be as early as February 4th or late as March 10th. So we're a little bit early this year, but here's the thing. Most people treat this day and that's good. It's great to have all of you with us and we're glad that you're here and people around the world. This is an important day. But most people believe this is a holy day of obligation, whereas every other Sunday is not. Now, we know which closed churches um, you might be quarantined or you may be sick or susceptible and therefore you're not able to go to church. I'm not referring to that. We know the struggles you are all going through and our hearts continue to pour out to you and what you are going through. You know, somebody said to me the other day, Father, you know, it's, I'm not sure you priests know what we're going through because you guys still have the sacraments every day. We don't. I was like, wow, that is powerful. So we as priests have to stop and realize that, yes, that's absolutely true. So it is easy for us to say, you know, just keep going, but let's keep praying that these churches open up and that you can get there out of quarantine and get back to the mass. But in the meantime, <clears throat> we're in a situation where most people, in fact, I read uh, an article a while ago that said traditionally every year more people attend Ash Wednesday than the Sunday before or the Sunday after. Actually, we got that reversed. Every Sunday is a holy day of obligation. If again, we can make it, some dioceses now have waived that. But Ash Wednesday is actually not a holy day of obligation. Now I'm not trying to minimize it by any means, but just an interesting thing to keep in mind. All right, so real quick, Ash Wednesday comes from our Jewish tradition. We all come from the Jewish tradition and they focused on penance and fasting as brother Jason just read in the first reading. Now, do you know Jesus even talked about it? There's several places and the one that I always refer to is where he said, if mighty works, these mighty works had been done in you, had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago sitting in sackcloth and ashes. In other words, what Jesus is saying is if I had done for Tyre and Sidon what I've done for you guys, they would have repented a long time ago and you have not, talking to the Jews of his day. So there's some significance to this sackcloth and ashes. Why? All right. You may remember ashes, they symbolize the dust from which God made us, the dirt, the dust from which God made us. As Brother Jason pointed out yesterday, 
They're not sac it's not a sacrament receiving the ashes today. It's a sacramental. And there is a difference. A sacrament is the actual real grace, not a symbol like the Eucharist. The Eucharist is an actual sacrament. It's the actual grace really there, tangible, given to us for divine life. The ashes are symbolic. They are not an actual sacrament. They are a sacramental, which means it's a sign of our faith. All right, still important, but again, not to the level of the Eucharist, and we all tie it together anyway. They come together. Now, our foreheads are marked with ashes to remind us that life passes away on earth. Um, you know, Je uh, Genesis is, uh, man is dust and unto dust you shall return. It's one of the things the priest would say when he would put the ashes on you. Now, the, ash, the first um, uh, Ash Wednesday officially, I think, was in like the early, about a year 1000 under Pope Urban II. And anyway, um, the records of it, they'll go all the way back to the second century of wearing ashes as a sign of penance. This is truly a tradition of the church that is most ancient. And so it is important. Obviously, I think you know the reason. Christ spent 40 days in the desert. We're imitating him. He prayed and fasted. But did you also know that Moses, you may not know this, Moses actually also did 40 days of fasting for his people, the Israelites, after the golden calf. So after the golden calf event, Moses came down. He's like, what am I going to do with these people? And he fasted for 40 days for the forgiveness of his people. It also talks about the Ninevites. Now, those are the ones who put on the sackcloth and ashes, right? And so this was a scriptural um, account. Now, later in Christianity, people who committed grave faults. Now, if you think it's bad now to go to confession, listen to how it used to be. We have it pretty easy. People who committed grave faults had to perform public penance, right? They're in front of the church. Now on Ash Wednesday, the bishop would sprinkle ashes on the head. So in a minute now, since the church has said because of coronavirus, we're no longer going to put ashes on the forehead, we're gonna actually sprinkle them on your head this year. It's actually more traditional. It's actually a more traditional way to receive the ashes. So don't be surprised and say to your priest, if you go to mass today, that father, you're wrong. You need to put the ashes on my forehead. Actually, it's more traditional to sprinkle them on the head. So here's what would happen. The bishop would sprinkle the ashes. They were made from the palms of the previous Palm Sunday that were burned. And they would um, sprinkle them on the head and the penitents were removed from the church. And because of their sins, they were basically sent out, almost like ostracized. What was that symbolic of? Adam. This last week, we read all about Adam and Eve in the garden. It basically was Adam, the first man who was thrown out of the garden because of his disobedience. So this is how the church used to deal with the sinning, that the sinner was literally put out of the church like Adam was put out of the garden. Now the penitents did not enter the church again until doing 40 days of penance and confession. So we have it 
pretty easy compared to our past, right? Now, even non-Christians and excommunicated people can receive the ashes. A lot of people don't realize that. They can be, as we said, traced on the forehead was traditionally what we grew up with, but again, sprinkled on the head. Um, but again, this year, the, the Vatican has said only sprinkling, not to put on the forehead. Now, the Catholic Church does not limit giving the ashes to just inside the church. This is regardless of COVID. Um, some priests actually take it out to the streets. And, you know, you don't even have to be a priest to distribute the ashes. So again, it's not a sacrament. It's a sacramental. Now, it is not really appropriate, though, if you did have your ashes on your forehead, let's go back to previous years, to really go immediately out to restaurants, shopping, you know, dining out after or recreation after receiving the ashes. It should be a time of reverence as best you're able. Now, somebody might say, well, Father, I had to go right to work. I went to the morning mass at 7 a.m. and I had to go right to work. Sure, God knows that. Now, it's also, and this is interesting, it's also not required for you to wear the ashes the whole day. You are able to wash them off. Just do it reverently, uh, maybe with a cloth and, and dispose of properly. Um, and this will be you know, kind of different this year because of the sprinkling on the head instead of the forehead. So anyway, I want to finish with the real meaning of Lent. And this is really why we're here. Um, Lent and Ash Wednesday beginning it and Good Friday are two days that we call fast and abstinence. Now let's look at the fast here. We fast for many reasons. Now who has to fast? Actually, everybody from 18 to 59. Now, if there are medical reasons or um, medical things that prohibit you from doing that for your health, yes, the church understands this and there is dispensations for that. Um, but anybody who's healthy and able to between the age of 18 and 59 should be fasting today and on Good Friday. Now, this means, what is a fast? Again, not very difficult. Um, one normal meal and two small meals that don't equal a full meal. If we can't do that, that's kind of like, okay, Lord, again, I'm not talking about health reasons. You may have healthy, like my mom, my poor mom, she has to have certain foods every certain amounts of hours because of her diabetes. So my mom can't do this. Um, you know, she has to have at a certain time um, you know, a protein bar or something to get her sugar, or I mean, a, a candy bar to get her sugar um, regulated. So we have to know that there are, there are exceptions here. But the bottom line is for those of us who can, Ash Wednesday and Good Friday are days of fast. Now, Ash Wednesday and every Friday in Lent is a day of abstinence. Now, it's funny because when I was in junior high and high school and I had religion class, they would teach us it's all about abstinence on Fridays during Lent. And I thought abstinence was refraining from sexual relations. And I was in high school going, aren't we supposed to refrain from that every day? I mean, <laughs> and uh, I didn't realize abstinence means in this case, no meat. And so we don't eat meat. Now, actually, you may not know this, we as Catholics are actually supposed to still abstain 
every Friday from no meat. People don't understand this. I think it's worth mentioning. Every Friday of the whole year is technically supposed to be a day of abstinence from meat. However, the USCCB has given an indult here that says you may, if you eat meat on Fridays, now not inside Lent. Inside Lent, there's no meat on Fridays. But outside of Lent, we could eat meat on a Friday if we give up something else. It's still a day of penance. And so while you may eat meat on Fridays outside of Lent, you would then be expected to perhaps maybe give up a TV program on that day or maybe do some form of penance. It is still a penitential day. Now in Lent, that no meat on Friday, that we need to do. Now, who's required to do that? Everyone over 14. So even if you're 90, you might be able to, you know, if, again, medical reasons. I, again, I always have to say that. But it's funny because my dad was laughing. He says, oh, no, I no longer have to follow the rules of the church. I'm over 59. I said, uh-uh, you still have to abstain from the meat. That's for everybody over 14. All right. So all Fridays are a day of penance, as I just mentioned. Um, and so we have to pick outside whether we do something else. But anyway, the fast on Good Friday... Traditionally, Brother Jason and I went to um, Steubenville, Franciscan University. And traditionally, the fast of Good Friday, the students there are awesome. I mean, that's like an oasis in the desert of today's culture. And they used to have this big celebration after the Easter vigil. And when I first went there, I was like, wow, I've never seen anything like this. Because the students would fast all Good Friday and into Saturday, all the way through all day Saturday to the Easter Vigil. And then after the Easter Vigil, have a big pizza party. So this night would last real late. That's church tradition. That's called the Paschal Fast. And it's very, very powerful. That's when the Lenten Fast ends. And so this Paschal Fast is to honor our Lord's passion and then to celebrate after with his resurrection. But, you know, the last thing I wanted to say was don't lose the purpose of fasting. Um, you know, the purpose of fasting, sometimes we can get too literal on it. And I think I'm guilty of that. Last night, um, we were making images, um, the Divine Mercy images and the St. Joseph images. And, and if I may point out, I know so many of you are emailing me. God bless you. And um, I, I've, I've said this before. I apologize. I'm about 6,000 emails behind. I read every one. So please know when you send me an email, I read everyone, but I haven't been able to respond to all of them yet. I will. Um, but anyway, a lot of you are upset that you're not getting your images um, or your St. Joseph books. I can promise you we are working around the clock. We're doing here. I'm here, been here to midnight last night. Jason and I were in the... Um, in the thing of making images. Now you've got brother Jason's blood literally on there because he was, we were stapling the images and he shot a nail into his, into his, or a staple into his thumb. So his blood, I did that a couple days ago. So we are doing our best to get these to you. But anyway, we were there till about 10. And afterwards I went upstairs to get some things done. I wanted to answer some of the YouTube comments. And all of a sudden I realized, oh no, it's getting close to midnight. 
I have to fast all day tomorrow. So I'm running around getting food. There's a candy bar over here. I'm quick eating the candy bar. I went downstairs. Anne Marie, who's a wife of one of our employees, had left me some lasagna. So I'm quick woofing down this lasagna and I'm trying to beat the clock, you know, before the end of the day so that I could fast easier today. And then after the end of that, I'm like, I'm kind of missing the whole point here. You know, the, the whole point to fasting isn't necessarily looking at the clock and trying to beat the clock. It's like my dad, when he was a kid, uh, he remembered it was a Friday during Lent and he bought a hamburger with his paper route money. And he said he bought this big juicy hamburger at a hamburger stand as a kid. It was like a nickel. He said, that was a lot of money then. And he raced home saval salivating to eat this hamburger and realized it's Friday during that. My dad was only like 12. I mean, that's awesome that a kid that time could would do that. And he then realized it was Friday and then he couldn't eat it. He said he waited up until exactly midnight <laughs> and then gobbled down that hamburger. So again, let's not lose the purpose here. What do I mean by that? This is where I wanted to finish because fasting is something that is healthy in one way, both spiritually and can be physically when you detox, right? Fasting is always mentioned along with prayer and almsgiving. That's what I just read in the gospel. Prayer, fasting, and almsgiving. Why? Okay. By fasting, we are controlling the passions of the body. So let's go. Fasting, prayer, and almsgiving. By fasting, we are controlling the passions of the body. Now, when the body is controlled, that gives the soul that little bit of an extra control over the body. All of a sudden now your spirit is in charge, not your flesh. And the scriptures tell us this is important. So we free our souls to be able to pray more. So when we put the passions of our body at bay, our soul frees up to be able to pray more. So when you fast, the result is a stronger prayer life. So those two go together. Then, by refraining from eating, the church is always taught that you actually free up money. You free up money that can then be given to the poor. That is true almsgiving. Almsgiving is not giving out of your surplus. Almsgiving is taking something that you would have bought, not buy it, and then give it to somebody else. Like, for instance, um, you know, if I want to buy a brand new fishing rod, I, it's the, the one recreation thing I love. I want to go buy a new fishing rod. If I determined, you know what, I was given this money as a gift. Um, I was going to go buy a new fishing rod. I, I determined I'm not going to buy a new fishing rod. I'm actually going to buy a bunch of Father Joseph books or St. Joseph books to give away. That is, that's almsgiving, not necessarily just giving out of surplus. And so by not eating, that money that you save for that dinner out or that lunch out can be used to maybe put into um, a, a you know, box at church or whatnot. Now, then we have a situation where the church calls us to put all three together. That's Lent. That's Lent. That's what we're doing. So refraining from food can help us to bring our bodies under control of the spirit. This is what we strive for. It's also a way of doing penance for past sins. It's very, very good. You know, um, if you look at Lent, Lent consists of the number of days of Lent is 10% of the year. Now, people always say, Father, as Catholics, do we have to tithe? Technically, the church does not teach you have to tithe 10% of your gross income. You tithe what you're able, some more, some less. 
If you're a single mother struggling, you would be less. If you're a billionaire, it would be more. This is up to you and God. But how beautiful that if Lent is 10% of the year, you give God this 10% fully, unconditionally, completely, you've tithed something very valuable, your time. I'm giving God 10% of my year. Now you should give him all of your year, but this is extra powerful. And so keep that in mind. You know, food is not a bad thing. Food is not something that we don't eat because it's bad. Food is good. Now, giving up something good, giving up good things, helps you to focus on what is better, God. So as good as food is, when you give up something good in the seek of something better, it's like that, you know, um, land with the pearl, that he gave up the land, which was good, but he got the pearl. So we give this up, and, it's, and in this case, he bought the land. And so we, did, we say this, that this is something better there in the land. We think of the food as the land. Inside that land is a pearl. And inside something bad, good like food, it leads us to something better in God. Give up something good, find something better. This is the whole message of Lent. And so anyway, giving up, I read this in an article just a few um, days ago. It said, it is a way to give up lesser goods to obtain the greatest good, God himself. And so when we fast, it's a denial of ourselves. It's a denial of putting ourselves on the throne. Remember the lesson Jesus taught us to truly be his disciple is to deny ourselves, pick up our cross, and follow him. That's the meaning of Lent. So join us on this Lenten journey as we walk with you in giving of ourselves to God as Jesus gave himself to us as Christ, Jesus the Christ. So may you all have a very blessed Lent. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. 
Thank you, and God bless you.